Here's your host, Alex Garrett. And welcome inside to Alex Garrett Podcasting. Normally, I shoot out of the gate with this uh, intro, but to be honest, today has been a life changer here uh, at the podcast because I've been working on some voice work and I realized I go way too fast for you people. So let me ask you this. uh, Are there any episodes where you find yourself just wondering what the hell I just said? If so, you're not alone. And I want you to email me. I want you to email me if you see me or hear me speeding up the words. Because I want to know, am I talking too fast for you? AlexGNYC.com and Alex at AlexGNYC.com. That's Alex at AlexGNYC.com. I swear, I'm going to work on enunciating on this podcast for you so you can understand me even better. Funny what a little voice work and a little voice training today could do. All right. Today I'm going to talk about a few things, but I want you to stay tuned for my interview with Howard Renensland, the founder of with-media.org. You'll find out about them today. But before I go there, there are two Bs on my mind today. Simone Biles and Chris Bryant. Biles and Bryant. And let's start with Simone Biles. I think I talked about it yesterday, but I am all in favor of her doing what she had to do in Tokyo to take care of herself, to normalize herself. Remember, I I talked about this yesterday. Normalizing herself is like taking care of herself. She's normalizing taking care of herself. And I am all for it. Physically or not physically injured, the point is everyone's been through this damn pandemic. And the point is she had every right to bow out of it because who who can perform at such a high standard in the pressure situation of COVID in the pandemic that still is going on? So I am in full support of Simone Biles, and you should be too. And uh, we pray for her. We pray that her mental state is okay. And mainly we pray she gets the care she needs. And by the way, I bet you in 2024, she will come back and kill it at the Olympics. But then there's another B today that's on my mind. Because as the trade deadline looms for Major League Baseball, the future of one Chris Bryant in Chicago is being scrutinized, looked at very heavily. You know, the Cubs are under 500 right now. And they are probably going to be sellers. And they might actually sell Chris Bryant. And I made a bit of a tribute video before he gets traded because the odds are he might. He might just get traded. And so I wanted to say thanks to Chris Bryant for all he has done for Chicago and the Cubs. Chris Bryant certainly deserves a shot for the Chicago Cubs opening day lineup as he's blasted eight homers this far in Arizona. Chris Bryant, I mentioned him earlier in the spring, is coming up to the majors tomorrow as the Cubs are calling up the young rookie who had a stellar spring training. That. Fly ball, deep left center field, back to the wall, he's got a chance! 
organization recognizes the 2016 National League Most Valuable Player, Chris Bryant. Bryant, the Cubs win the World Series! Bryant makes the play! And then at the end it says, thanks for even helping my dad see a Cubs World Series win. Dad saw that in 20, 2016. You know, he was waiting for a long time, as is all of Chicago. The 108-year curse was over, and Chris Bryant was a big part of that, and I think he might be on the way out, and so Chris, thank you. I've followed your career, and I've got a cool story for you. If you're in Cub Nation right now, listening, that blue jersey that he wore the night they beat the Indians to win the World Series... Well, they had a blue shirt just like that, <laughs> and I'm wearing it right now. And they had it on sale in the clearance uh, section of the Models when they were closing down the store. Now, of course, that jersey and shirt should never be in the clearance section. That should be worth a lot of money. I mean, Chris Bryant is a huge part of that 16 run. But I got the Bryant blue Cubs shirt, and I'm so proud of that, and I love that. It was the last Cubs shirt there, blue one anyway, and I'm like, yeah, of course I'm going to grab it. So, Chris, thanks for the memories in Chicago and wherever the deadline leads you, maybe even stay there. We wish you well here at Alex Garrett Podcast. All right, got through the bees, got through enunciation. Let's talk with Howard Renensland, the founder of with-media.org. Honoring people with disabilities doesn't just stop on ADA. We don't just honor it and then move on. And I think with media, as I talked with Sam Tavares last week, is is highlighting that. And now I'm very honored to welcome Howard Renensland, who's actually the founder of With Media. Right, uh, Howard? Thanks for joining me today. It's it's my pleasure, Alex. Thank you for inviting me to come and talk. Now, I understand your daughter was the inspiration for starting with media. That's correct. <clears throat> Pardon me, Alex. I'm fortunate enough to have two daughters. My firstborn daughter is Victoria, and four years after her, we had Olivia. Uh, Victoria is a young woman uh, who is the inspiration for uh, what is now called with media. Uh, she's a young woman with um, uh, disabilities, and she's the reason that um, I began thinking about this so many years ago. Well, and so tell us the origins and, and how did she inspire and and how have you been able to keep it going uh, for these years? And, and congrats on that. Well, you're very kind, um, Alex. Feel free to interrupt me. Uh, I'm an actor. I can talk forever. Uh, I often uh, change the subject midstream, so... <laughs> Pardon me. Please feel free to interrupt me. Um, Because this is such a long and layered uh, story, uh, and because I'm so passionate about it, uh, there are always any number of things that that I want to say and talk about. But essentially it's this. Pardon me. Just haven't had enough coffee yet today. Um, When, uh, when, and I'm sure many of your listeners know this, when a couple or an individual has a child with a disability, 
thanks to um, what few laws we have that support people with disabilities and their civil rights, but our local school system is responsible for the education of that child, uh, K through 12, until the year of the 21st birthday, which is a few more years post-senior uh, high school graduation. So um, the school system is really the leader in that regard. And as we approached where we began thinking about occupations for Victoria, what she would do after uh, high school, <clears throat> my wife and I and Victoria, I probably should say Victoria, my wife and I, uh, and her sister Olivia were pushing for uh, Victoria to attend a college in some fashion for a number of reasons, uh, socialization with age-appropriate peers, and to continue her uh, acquisition in search of knowledge. Uh, well, this was unheard of. <clears throat> Even in Connecticut, a state that uh, likes to consider itself in the forefront of all things good. Um, so it was a struggle, and there were a couple of programs, uh, but they weren't very good, uh, to be honest with you, and they were very limited, and they didn't interest us at all. So fortunately, and I'm kind of off subject here, fortunately, um, our family, uh, my wife and daughters, are Roman Catholic, so we went to Mass at Fairfield University. After that, uh, a small group of young women came up to us and uh, introduced themselves and said, we haven't seen you guys here before. Um, who are you, et cetera? So that began um, uh, a four-year relationship for Victoria and I at Fairfield University. Uh, she took classes. She took the uh, history of rock and roll, the history of music. She's a huge music fan. Uh, Victoria and I studied the Italian language for two years under a lovely woman on Yale, Eliasoff. Uh, I would be Victoria's aide. I went to class with her, uh, and she and I uh, learned Italian in those two years. Uh, that began to expand my thinking <clears throat> regarding a job or a career for Victoria, who had a number of gifts, a number of drawbacks, but Victoria, like any human being, you, me, Alex, anybody we know, she has a number of skills. And uh, we wanted to pursue careers that might uh, utilize those skills. So I was thinking about this one day when I was at work. I'm an actor. I was at work shooting a commercial for Hostess Cupcakes. Very pleasant day. I got to eat a lot of cupcakes and drink a lot of coffee. And as I sat there drinking coffee in my a uh, little chair, uh, I was watching everybody working. You know, if you're an actor in a commercial or in, in a movie, you spend a lot of time sitting around. And all of a sudden, it dawned on my thick-headed consciousness that, well, there are a lot of people here working, uh, maybe 70 or 80 people. Everybody on the crew, uh, the gaffer, the, the grips, the best boy, the photographer, the camera, stills photographer, um, continuity. Uh, plus, there were a lot of people there from the advertising agency who Hostess Cupcakes had hired. Plus, there were a lot of people there from the client, Hostess Cupcakes, making sure the commercial went the way they wanted it to go. So there are about 70 or 80 people working. Plus, there's the actress playing my wife, and there's a, uh, two kids playing our children. And I realized uh, none of these people had a visible disability that I could see. Uh, no prosthetic devices, nobody was using sign language, nobody appeared to be blind with a, uh, a walking dog assistant. 
Um, nobody had a prosthetic device, et cetera, et cetera. Now, there may have been some people with mental health issues. There may have been some people on the spectrum, et cetera. But there was nobody there that day that I could see that had a vis- vis- visible disability. Sure. Then I realized that uh, I've been an actor since I was professionally, since I was 25. I've been in thousands of auditions. I've been in thousands of jobs, commercials, regional repertory theater, off-Broadway, showcases, um, films, uh, training films, uh, soap operas. Uh, you name it, I've done it. And uh, out of all those thousands of jobs and auditions, I had never once worked with a person with a disability. That was astounding to me and mind-boggling and eye-opening. I realized, well, hell, there are a lot of jobs being done in front of me that Victoria could do. There are a lot of jobs that she could not do, don't get me wrong. There were a lot of jobs she could do. And so I began thinking about this and thought, well, maybe media is a way for Victoria because it's an industry I know. And then I went on to think, well, you know, it's also an industry that everybody likes to talk about, everybody would like to be in. So that's another good thing about industry, about a, a choice of profession for Victoria because sure. not only would she maybe have a job, she would be in, a, in an industry that everybody would be looking to know more about that would help people with disabilities. And then thirdly, I thought, wow, if I got Victoria and other people with disabilities behind the camera, which is really the most important, Alex, because that's where all the jobs are. You know, there were four actors on that job that day for Hostess Cupcakes. And there was well, Howard, years. Howard, I was going to ask you how, how being a SAG-AFTRA member has inspired you to create this, and I think you're hitting that home. Well, Screen Actors Guild in UCLA, uh, I, I have a lot of uh, jaded opinions, Alex. 35 years doing this will do that. Uh, back in 2005, Screen Actors Guild and uh, UCLA jointly fostered a paper examining the workforce in film and television in the United States, not around the world, just in the U.S. And that study showed that in 2005, I also want to talk about 2004, please remind me. In 2005, the study came back and said, of all the people employed in film and television in the United States of America in 2005, less than 5% acknowledge, that's an important word, acknowledge having a disability. Less than 5%. When 25% of the population have a disability as recognized by the federal government. Now, it's now, Alex, 2021, and the statistic now is that less than 8% of the workforce in film and television in the United States have a disability. So that's a growth rate of 3% or less over 18 years. That's not a very healthy growth rate for anything. So the problem is huge today, and it hasn't really changed that much. Um, it, it's great that we have people with disabilities performing roles that, A, were written for people with disabilities, what's really important, 
is having people with disabilities performing roles that were just written. Oh, this part could easily be, be played like this actor or this actress that we happen to know about. We're a long way from that kind of inclusion. That's why with media, that's one of the reasons why, in my mind and in the mind of other people, with media uh, is so important, an entity, I should say, like with media. Uh, two other important factors that will underscore what I'm trying to talk about. Sure. <clears throat> One is a white paper done by the Ford Foundation in 2019. One is a conference held by Booz Allen Hamilton, a big PR firm, in 2004. In 2004, there was a huge conversation about the disability market. Advertisers and business had segregated various markets. They knew where to sell to women. They knew where to sell to inner city youth. They knew where to sell to white men who were wealthy. They knew where to sell Rolex watches, dish detergent, Budweiser beer. They had no idea how to access the disability market. Uh, the disability market, totally misunderstood by advertising, is huge in terms of its um, disposable income particularly in travel. Victoria's going to go to Disney World later this year. When she goes, she's not going alone. Uh, she'll go with my wife and I. She'll go with her sister and her sister's fiancé, who will be her husband at that time. She will also go with the care provider. And she will also go with a set of our in-laws, husband, wife, and three children. So Victoria represents about 12 people going to Disney World. Um, that's a huge amount of money. So in 2004, Booz Allen Hamilton brought all these business women, men and women together and said, what's the problem? Uh, we know you want to uh, advertise to people with disabilities. Why can you not do it? So those business women and men in 2004 said there are three reasons. One, we don't know where they are. There's no centralization. We know where to reach inner city youth. We know where to reach people interested in sports. We know where to reach people interested in travel. They have platforms, ESPN, the Travel Channel, the Golf Channel, et cetera. So, Howard, how do, you, how do you guys stand out from all of these different networks? Like, how, how does With Media manage to stand out in a very competitive media world with a very unique uh, community? Well, we're, we're just beginning, so I don't think we – this is philosophically and mission-wise how we stand out. With Media is a streaming media company dedicated to providing vital news, information, entertainment, and advertising to the global community of people with disabilities from a disability perspective with a workforce – that is dedicated to being at least 28% people with a disability. If you Google disability in media, you see that everybody and their brother is pressuring Netflix, Amazon Prime, CBS, ABC, NBC, Apple TV to hire people with disabilities, particularly in front of the camera. Why? Because then they're covering their rear ends. People will see it. Oh, look, there's a young boy with... Down syndrome. Oh, look, there's an actress in a wheelchair. God bless Netflix for trying to put people with disabilities to work. 
it's not the responsibility, Alex, of media to advance the cause of people with disabilities. CBS, NBC, Amazon, uh, Amazon TV, uh, Netflix will never be able to have a workforce equally representing people with disabilities, nor should they. Uh, the problem is that you can watch television, whether it's broadcast, cable, or streaming media, 24-7, and count on one hand the number of times you hear the word disability as it relates to a particular global problem, fires in California, uh, earthquakes in China, buildings crumbling in Florida, um, hurricanes striking uh, Louisiana. If you're in one of those situations and you require electricity to keep your insulin refrigerated, you're in trouble. If you need electricity to keep your wheelchair uh, charged so you can move, you're in trouble. How does with media help help move forward those people with disabilities? Like how how do you guys do it, pull it off? And 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 of course this is ADA month, and as I said at the beginning, you know, we we cannot let just July twenty sixth go and then okay, well next year we'll deal with the ADA. It, it's an ongoing thing daily. So how do you make sure people are reminded that yes, disabled people have a place in the world? We need an ongoing sustainable media presence, just like we have already for things that I don't feel are as important. We have ESPN for sports. We have the travel channel. We have fashion channels. We have all kinds of platforms for every niche in the world. We have grit TV. If you want to watch Westerns that were created 60 years ago, nowhere in the world is there a platform for people with disabilities, hiring them, training them, creating sustainable careers with salaries and medical and dental. The world is crying out for it. The, the Ford Foundation in 2019 uh, had a white paper, Disability in the Media, created, written by Judith Human, uh, a well-known long-term disability advocate. You can access this online. You don't need to read the whole thing. I've been reading stuff like this, Alex, for 30 years. People talk and talk and talk. Nobody does anything. Why? For a number of reasons. But in that white paper, at the end of it, they have two interesting sections, recommendations and in a perfect world. And in recommendations and in a perfect world, Judith Human and all the other advisors from around the world describe with media. A media company creating content from a disability perspective for a global audience. Now, let me tell you why. So you have you have gotten you. Let me get this clear. You've gotten with media in a Ford Foundation uh, white paper. They don't talk about us. They say we need an entity. And then the entity they, they, they describe mirrors our business plan. In essence, it's, it's a production company platform that hires and trains people with disabilities to broadcast stories of importance to people with disabilities, to hire, to get people uh, empowered, to change the negative impression that the world has mm. on people with disabilities, and to uh, allow people with disabilities to create their own stories rather than, require, rather than rely on writers who have no knowledge of the disability lifestyle 
but have only sat down at a conference and talked to a few people with disabilities and now say, oh, I can go out now and write about disabilities. That's like me being born and raised in Kansas trying to write a story about being a, a whaler in New England. It, Howard, I, lo- I love that. Think about what you know. I love that energy, but I've got to ask. I've got to ask you this. Um, see, hearing it from a person with disabilities perspective, we'll we'll put it over the top compared to hearing what a politician might have to say or hearing what the new. Do you feel like there's so much pandering to the community that this will break up the pandering because we can hear it from our own voices? Well, I, I think what you're saying is, and this is one of the reasons why I started this. Let me, let me give you an example. On the 4th of July, David Axelrod, who was a member of the Obama administration, doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican or an independent, disability is everywhere, wrote a paper. Uh, Mr. Axelrod has an adult daughter with severe limiting disabilities. Uh, She currently lives in a large group home environment. There's a bill before the Congress to be voted on soon that works to eliminate large institutions, working towards small group homes like you or I may have in our local neighborhood. Now, that sounds good, and I understand that. However, there are a lot of people like Mr. Axelrod who are saying, wait a minute, my daughter happens to be in a large program, but fortunately one that is very good. So don't kill, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Now, the problem is, that this story is in the New York Times on July 4th, but it's a day late and a dollar short because the bill is already before Congress. Alex, we need to have issues that are important for people with disabilities in mainstream media 24-7. Why? So we can address these issues before the bill gets in front of Congress. Uh, We need not just people with disabilities and their families and their friends, and those businesses that want to sell us goods and services working on our issues, we need the entire world working on our issues, just like the entire world needs to work on global climate, needs to work on poverty, needs to work on health care for the world. We can't solve this alone in our little corner of the world, particularly when we have no access to the media. Let me really quickly say, Back to that Booz Allen Hamilton program. This is what businessmen and women said in 2004. They said, number one, there's no centralization. Well, Alex, we have centralization now. We have the Internet. Uh, our, our programs can go to Germany, Italy, South Africa, wherever there are people with disabilities. If they have access to the Internet, they get our content. So we have centralization. Number two, those advertisers said there are no leaders in the disability community. Well, that was nonsense then. It's even more nonsense now. People with disabilities run companies. They play professional sports. They're in the Senate. They are in Tokyo as a Paralympian, which you guys actually highlighted. Yes. People People with disabilities are everywhere, and there are leaders. Why don't we know about them? It's very simple. You don't see them on television. You can watch television on Saturday and Sunday and all those wonderful news programs. You will never see a person with any regularity talking about disability issues. We have to do that at with media. Thirdly, and most important, most important, in 2004, business in America said we can't attack or address or market to the disability market because they don't 
have a platform. That's what businessmen and women said 17 years ago. We need a platform. What do they mean? They mean we need a Discovery Channel or a Travel Channel or, or an ESPN Sports Channel. We need a channel for people with disabilities and those interested in marketing to them. That's what With Media is trying to be. CBS, NBC, Netflix, Amazon Prime, God love them. They cannot report on disability issues 24-7. They can't. They, they want to be there for us. Well, maybe one of those big companies will like us, Alex. And well, that's what I was going to say. How, how, how can listeners will buy you and work with you. How can listeners help support Grow With Media? Go to our website. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Go to the With Media TV channel at YouTube. Subscribe. Our content will never cost a subscriber a nickel. We are offering content free. We will be supported by our own income streams, advertising, and other things. Follow us. Like us. Watch our shows. If you know anybody that's interested in anything connected with With Media, tell them about us. What do we need? We need viewers. We need money. We're not for profit. We're getting our final IRS statement soon, I hope. If you advertise on With Media content, you're advertising on the not for profit. Don't send money to somebody else that says, oh, we're going to try and get so-and-so to hire people with disabilities in their workforce. We're not asking anybody to hire anybody, Alex. We are hiring people ourselves. Granted, none of the 14 of us are making money now, but of the 14 of us working, 75% of us are a young man or a young woman in a wheelchair or somebody who is deaf or somebody who is blind who is currently going to college who wants to be a media professional. I'm putting people to work today. That, so, is, that is such um, a support too. And, and, but none of them are making money. But if right. you want to help us, help us work toward full funding. That is such a spirit of, of the founder of my and Sam Tavares, the VP of content development who you met last week. Uh, our founder, Dr. Henry Viscardi. What you're doing, Howard, yes. is very Viscardi-like. So thank you for your work on this. Thank you for in the inclusion. And may it be contagious to all parts of media and it starts with with media everybody with dot with dash media.org that's with dash media.org check them out howard i love this conversation we got to have one soon enough but thank you so much for for getting to know us here at alex garrett podcasting i'm here anytime anybody wants to talk to me look me up on google i'm always here this is my life now and really quickly, tell me, you know, I mentioned the Paralympian. You guys actually highlight one. Tell us that story really quickly. Yeah, well, you know, some of our young people um, have classmates who are Paralympians. Um, Katie Dakin has, uh, out in Wichita, Kansas, goes to school with a young man who's on the tennis team. We're, we're highlighting the Paralympics, um, good, bad, and indifferent, you know, um, it's like everything else. Uh, they disappear uh, once the Olympics are over. So many athletes haven't been uh, Paralympians, haven't been able to go. Same in terms of Special Olympics, because um, they weren't allowed to take a, um, a, a life supporter 
you know, they couldn't travel alone. They needed to travel with someone. Well, I guarantee you the Olympians, God love them, uh, are not traveling alone. They're traveling with a, a full team of their own support people. But the Paralympians are, to some extent, are out on, on their own. Uh, there are wonderful, uh, accessible teams at a number of American colleges. There's a professional wheelchair team playing basketball in Europe. Um, Paralympians uh, we're trying to connect with and employ uh, as on-camera reporters for sports because accessible sports doesn't stop when the Olympics end. Uh, they go on at schools, at high schools, colleges, professionally, and with amateur clubs. Every NBA team has a wheelchair basketball team. So I want to find these young men and women from around the world, particularly in the U.S., and get them on television as, as sports journalists reporting on, uh, on sports of all nature. Not just uh, Paralympic sports, but uh, reporting on the World Series, reporting on um, the NBA, uh, NBA, uh, the whole nine yards. Um, we want to be a full product um, production company, a platform, creating content by people with disabilities, but for the entire population. You know, there are, 20, there are over 25,000 movies with a disability theme, Alex. I guarantee you none of those movies were made for a person with a disability. They were made for the audience who likes to watch stories about people with disabilities. Most of those 25,000 films were not captioned uh, for the deaf. They were not described for the blind, and they were shown in theaters that weren't accessible to people in wheelchairs. People want our stories. What they really will enjoy is when they have authentic stories written, produced, directed, acted in, gripped uh, by people with disabilities who are professional, young people in the media, earning a living, just like Brad Pitt and everybody else, only our people happen to utilize the wheelchair, be deaf, be blind, or on the spectrum, etc. from all over the world. Nobody in the world, Alex, is attempting to do what I'm attempting to do, even though the United Nations, the Ford Foundation, <clears throat> and every nation in the world is asking for a very simple thing, a platform. I'm Alex Garrett, where we're always adapting with dashmedia.org. Remember that website. Howard, thanks so much for joining. Thank you, sir. Thanks to everybody. And remember, at Alex Garrett Podcasting, we're always adapting.